Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Here now, the word of the Lord from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, and guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you, TCC. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at Solari Community Church. We have wrapped up our wellness series and are beginning a new six-week sermon series on the book of 2 Timothy that we're calling Entrusted. Just a couple months ago, we worked our way through 1 Timothy, through 1 Timothy and it might seem rather lame to go straight into 2 Timothy, but I assure you that you're in for a treat. If 1 Timothy was like an owner's manual for the life of the church, 2 Timothy feels more like a journal entry. It's emotional, raw, urgent, and poetic. Today, we're looking at the entirety of the first chapter, and our time together will revolve around this reality. Your faith is not your own. It is so much more. Your faith is not your own. It is so much more. When I graduated from college, I got a job starting a new area for an organization called Young Life in the greater Detroit Metroplex. My job was to build relationships and introduce high school kids to the love of Jesus. This included the scariest thing I have ever done in my life, having lunch in a high school cafeteria as an adult. 
It probably helped that I looked like I was going into my junior year, but that just made me feel a whole lot worse. Now, arguably, the most significant component of my job involved taking kids to camp during the summer. The whole camp was structured around the kids hearing and understanding the gospel. And so we'd hop in the charter bus, drive 16 hours from Detroit to northern Minnesota, spitting distance from Canada, and water sports, games, parasailing, there were intimate time of conversation, vulnerabilities were shared, kids learned about sin and grace. It really was wonderful. And by the end of the week, kids would have the opportunity to surrender to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as they did, I would consistently hear this refrain. I'm ready to make my faith my own. There's a lot to unpack there, but at its core, it's a desire to have a sense of ownership on what they believed. Do I believe in God? Do I believe that Jesus was his son because that's what I believe or because that's what my parents believe? It's common to grow up in church, to go through the motions, learning the right Sunday school answers, but it's another thing entirely when we decide to take ownership on what we actually believe and we decide how we're going to live our lives. Now, the flip side of making our faith our own is so common that it's a cliche. A sheltered kid goes to college or moves out of the house and takes a job, tastes freedom, and goes crazy. In the process, they lose their faith, which was probably never actually theirs in the first place, and they fall away from the values that were instilled in them when they were growing up. We all know someone like this, and for many of us, it's the person in the mirror. If the questions are never asked, if the doubts are never sorted through, then our faith remains shallow, remains vulnerable to the smallest prick or prod. And it's a difficult, often fearful experience, usually more so for parents than anyone else, but here's the good news. God can handle it. I wonder how this all hits you as you're listening to it. TCC is a unique church. As an outsider, it could seem like a lot of you are related to each other, which would at first glance seem preposterous until you've been around for a little while and realize that many of you are, in fact, related to one another. This is unique, like really, really unique. And while this can be intimidating at first, if you don't share blood with either the row in front of you or behind, like me, It's also something that needs to be celebrated. It's a beautiful thing to have three generations of the same family present during the same service. And with this unique beauty, though, comes a a, a unique challenge. How do I make my faith mine when it's always been a part of the air I breathe and the water I swim in? See, Christianity is profound in the incomprehensibly personal relationship that Jesus earned for all who believe in him, that exists between us and God. Jesus earned that relationship. The Christian faith is a personal faith, and making it personal, having confidence in what we believe, is crucial. That ownership, that commitment, are inarguably necessary first steps in the journey of faith. 
And if you've been coming here your whole life, or maybe you've been going elsewhere, but you've been going to church for a long time, and you're concerned that you haven't done enough to make faith yours, presents an interesting question for us to ponder. What is our own role in that ownership? What if our own role in that ownership was inconsequential? What if factors outside of our control sparked the flame of that faith in the first place and have kindled the fire ever since? Would that mean that our faith was still our faith? Let's just find out, shall we? 2 Timothy, like 1 Timothy, is written by the Apostle Paul as a letter addressed to Timothy, his acolyte, his, his training in ministry. In 1 Timothy, Paul was actively involved in daily ministry, but in 2 Timothy, Paul is in prison, probably in Rome, awaiting a potential death sentence at perhaps the mouth of a lion. So understandably, the themes between the two letters are quite different. Church order that we saw in 1 Timothy takes quite a bit of a backseat to things in 2 Timothy like endurance in the face of suffering, gratitude, love, the list goes on. Timothy is still leading the church in Ephesus and Paul desires for him to convey everything Paul has to say to the people living there. For our purposes and for the sake of time, I want us to focus on what Paul has to say about the same topic that we're wrestling with, faith. In particular, I want us to pay attention to the forces at work in the mystery of faith, forces that may surprise us. Here's how it all plays out. In verse 3, Paul thanks God, acknowledging that Paul serves the same God that his ancestors served. In verse 5, Paul tells Timothy that it brings him joy to think about Timothy's sincere faith. We're told that that faith was passed down from Timothy's grandmother Lois to his mother Eunice, and finally to Timothy himself. Then in verse 7, Paul states that the spirit Christians are given by God provides power and love and self-discipline. All right, let's pause a moment and get our bearings. What do we see going on? Paul is celebrating Timothy's faith, but is it really Timothy's faith? It seems as though on the surface, it's a faith that he's sort of inherited, a faith that in some ways he's been given. And it poses to us the question, can we claim ownership over something that has been passed on to us or been gifted? It's an interesting question. Even if Paul acknowledges that he serves the same God, uh, excuse me, even Paul acknowledges that he serves the same God that his ancestors worshipped. Paul is thankful for Timothy's sincere faith, but he also credits Timothy's own mother and grandmother with that faith. Not only that, but Paul essentially claims Timothy as his spiritual son, referring to him as such on a few different occasions throughout the letter, And this implies that Paul has, obviously, had an enormous role in Timothy's faith journey as well. So, Timothy's faith, his own personal faith, is at the very, very least, partially a result of not only his blood relatives, but of his spiritual father, who serves the same God that his ancestors served. So is our faith really ours if we didn't earn it for ourselves? 
in the first place. Paul writes in verse 7 that the Holy Spirit we've been given in faith is a gift from God. So not only does Timothy inherit his faith from those around him, but he is also given the gift of faith by God himself. And so Timothy's faith is simultaneously two things. His and not his at all. It's like if you win a gold medal in the Olympics, does it belong to you or to all of the family members, coaches, teams, and teammates who sacrificed to make it possible for you in the first place? Yes. Well, all right. So it's my faith, but you're saying it's also sort of belongs to the people who made it a reality. I guess, but I still don't really understand what's going on. Hey, no problem. Thanks for your honesty and your vulnerability. Verse 9 explains it better than I could ever dream to. So what does it mean to have faith? Well, verse 9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. How? Not because of anything we have done. And why? Because of his own purpose and grace. Timothy has been entrusted, hear that, bonus points for including the name of the sermon series and the sermon itself. He's been entrusted with faith that has saved him and called him to a holy life. But he has received that gift of faith through God's work, through a multitude of facets, none of which Timothy is necessarily personally responsible for. So is the faith that's been entrusted to him at least for him? Is it a gift so he can live in bliss, not concerning himself with anything, knowing he's been saved, knowing that if he prays, he'll be given exactly what he's prayed for? No. See, Paul says that faith, Timothy's and ours, has been given to us for God's own purpose, not our own. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that means you have been entrusted With faith, by grace, not for yourself, but for God's greater, grander, and perfect purpose for the redemption of the world. Owning what you believe, knowing and trusting for yourself, the gospel is vital. But what Paul is telling us through his words to Timothy is that ultimately your faith is not your own because it was created by God through the people and the circumstances around you, and it ultimately exists for his purpose. It doesn't belong to you. It's, it's not for your good, ultimately. It belongs to him. It's for him. And he will use your ancestors, he will use your parents, your spiritual mentors, your community, your church, your family, and maybe even your cat to ensure that your faith is yours, that you have ownership over it so that he can use it, so that he can use you in the process. So your faith ultimately is not your own because it is so much more. I had a delightful conversation with Ashley Miller after church a couple of weeks ago. She walked up and she said, hey, Pastor Ryan, let's talk tulip." I thought she was perhaps referring to my lack of a green thumb and was going to give me some advice, but she actually, to my surprise, wanted to talk about the core tenets of the Reformed tradition. And our conversation was awesome. It was rich and challenging for me, and we ended 
on the topic of baptism. Now, I was baptized much later in life, and I'm so thankful for that experience, but I'm also a huge infant baptism guy. Now, the reasons are several, all of which I shared with a very patient Ashley, but here's my favorite. The promise of baptism is that God's grace is upon us before we can make any form of conscious decision one way or the other about what we believe. And we join together as a church, spiritual and especially in TCC's case, literal, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, parents, and grandparents called to strive for the promised faith to become that child's own, just like it was for Timothy. Even as an infant, God is planting the seeds of faith by raising up those around us so that when that faith becomes our own, he can use it for his good purpose for the world. And so, TCC, as you go forth this week, I want you to think about your faith. Think about whether you have ownership over what you believe. Do you trust the gospel? Do you have confidence that what you believe is your own, which means that it's not shallow, that it won't be easily shaken? As you go forth this week, I want you to think about the people, the factors, the avenues through which God has worked in your life to make that faith your own and realize that he will use it for his greater purpose in our community, in our families, marketplace, and beyond. And TCC, buckle your seatbelt for the faith that has been entrusted to you by God, the faith earned by God's grace, poured out in Christ's blood on the cross, sufficient for the sins of the world. That faith will serve a greater purpose than any of us can dare imagine. TCC, your faith is not ultimately your own because it is so much more. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.